Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Toddler Purgatory, a.k.a. Todd Perks. Todd Perks. <laughs> I'm one of your co-hosts, Molly. Hey, hey, I'm Blair. And today we're talking about how ruthless toddlers can be. Ugh. I mean, we have two sons who are, you know, five plus, and then you have a newly minted three-year-old. So... She's in the hot seat of brutal honesty land. Oh, she's in the real hot seat of brutal honesty land. In fact, the other day, she was just driving me crazy. And I was trying to take a, a shower. And I get out and I turn the TV on and I get out and I hear the TV's off. And I'm like, oh. So I go out into the living room. She's playing, but she turned the TV off. And I was like, why'd you turn the TV off? She's like, I don't want to watch TV no more. I was like, all right, cool. And then she's like, I want a snack. I want this. And I was like, can I get dressed? I was like, can you help me out? Can you just help me out? And she looked me dead in my eye holes. And she said, Mama, you help yourself. Wow. How dare you? I was like, okay. She's like, I will. Help me, but also help yourself. But also, you need to do everything for me. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's so, they're ruthless. They don't give a... Flying banana peel. Uh-uh, not one. Not one. Well, let me tell you something. This episode was inspired by a thread on the What Fresh Hell podcast Facebook page. Listener Alicia started the thread by writing, Can we have a thread of ruthless toddler moments? I'll go first. <laughs> I love it. I'm rehearsing for a play in which I sing a lullaby. And I'm not a singer, but it's simple and easy enough to not send me into a spiral. I hear that. <laughs> I figure I'll practice on my kids because, you know, they're always there. I start to sing the song and my 18-month-old daughter looks me dead in the eye and says, no. <laughs> Every time. Here's hoping the audience is more forgiving. Hashtag toddler purgatory. Oh, yep. Brutal. And I love that it's 18. For some reason, the fact that it was her 18-month-old made me really laugh because like, <laughs> you know, that baby just started talking, <laughs> but knows the uh, definition of no. Man, oh man, that's brutal. Uh, it's so true. And you know, this led me to look at an article on Vice called Behind the Brutal Honesty of Drunks and Toddlers. <laughs> and they compare the really it comes down to a lack of filter. That's it. Yes. If you want total honesty, there's only two groups of people who would deliver drunks and toddlers. <laughs> it's so True. That's amazing. It's so true. That is really the truth of the world right there. You know, I read once about how people who are drunk for a long time, you say, oh, you lose your inhibitions. That was always sort of the buzz phrase for why people who have had high alcohol intake do things they normally wouldn't do in real life. Uh. And then I, in real life, <laughs> or I should say like the rest of their life. And then this one article I read recently said, it's actually not that you lose your inhibitions. It's that you have no consciousness or no conscious thought about the consequences. Right. You lose all sense of consequences. Right. So it's actually stuff you might do in real life if you knew you wouldn't get in trouble for it, which is so funny, even in your subconscious. <laughs> but that's, yeah. Toddlers don't give a flying thing about anything. It's their moral compass. They still haven't built one. So they're just like, whatever. Yes, that's exactly right. It's really a developmental thing. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right. It just hasn't developed mm -hmm. in their tiny, tiny brains. Teeny, tiny. This article in Vice was written by Brooke Bolin, and they say, Although we're all capable of speaking truthfully, most of us communicate judiciously by using filters in many of our interactions. Broadly speaking, these filters help constitute tact, 
or the ability to communicate in a way that is mindful of the audience's <laughs> feelings. Tact is notoriously alien to drunks and toddlers alike. <laughs> One of many reasons why these two glorious subsets of humans are only ones who will give it to you straight. No chaser. No chaser. Uh-uh. Just go ahead and give it to me. <laughs> You know, the funny thing is, even with that consciously in our brains, like we know, like our brains know that toddlers haven't developed tact yet, it can still hurt sometimes. It really does. I think it's because we have been so enveloped in this idea of like protection of other people's feelings for so long. Yes. That once we get it from the toddler, it's like, whoa, homie. Like, <laughs> even though I know that, like, especially with my three-year-old, that she's like not fully developed in the frontal cortex. Yeah. I'm still just like, ouch, dude. <laughs> and it hurts my feelings. And also like it is some sort of sick coincidence <laughs> that this brutal honesty coming from the person with whom you probably spend a lot of your time is also when you're in like parenting. Yeah. Like when you are vulnerable overtired, yep. under, how do you call it? Like solo time. Like we don't have a lot of me time. So we're raw. <laughs> As a cold cut. Yes. And although cold cuts are baked, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Okay. Cold well, cold. come up with another one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, but I, we are slightly cooked. <laughs> so true. Anyway, we have a slight thin shell from which to protect ourselves. And one of those shells is the knowledge, the brain knowledge the logical knowledge that these kids don't know of which they speak, but it's sometimes it can still cut like a knife because it cuts like a knife. Yes. So, and it's also that thing, too, is like when your toddler says something rude or unkind or ruthless in nature, it's that reflection back on you. Of like, ooh, what? Where'd you learn that? Who is that? Yeah. And they're like, it's me. It is fully my brain and my 100% honesty and truth. And you're welcome. Yes. You're welcome, mom. Another article I read was from this website called fatherly.com. And it's an article called How to Raise Honest Kids, But Not a Narc by Lizzie Francis. <laughs> Don't raise a narc, please. Lizzie Francis quotes a psychologist named Jean Barrison, who heads up the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds at Massachusetts General Hospital, who says that teaching honesty is a complex and nuanced long game. Mm. And the reason why I like that is because he used the word nuanced. Mm. And that's what they haven't learned yet, right? Right, yes. And so we're trying to model. Of, yeah. <laughs> which some of us never get, you know, like, no. mm -mm. or forget sometimes. But I think you're right. Like, we're trying to raise these kids, even from an age like 18 months, to think about other people's feelings. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've thought or tried to enact empathy, you know, in my kid at various ages. And to this day, Blair, I just told you that story about him calling me a meanie mm -hmm. for an accident when my phone fell out of my pocket and hit him in the foot. And I think one of the things I said to him, I was also raw because it was the day after we traveled and I was like, Ugh. I had a very thin skin at that point and not in a great way. But I remember I lost it a little bit with him and I said something to the effect of, this is not how I raised you. It wasn't that, but like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know why you think you can treat people that way. That is not how I raised you. Something like that, which is like from the parent handbook of 1971. I don't know what I'm doing. I think it's dated back farther than that. I mean, it is. <laughs> it's just like, where did you get this mm -hmm. lack of tact? It really, you know. This blame thing, I hate it, I hate it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they just, you know, they haven't necessarily gotten it yet. At this age, 
from that article, Jean Barrison uh, says, knowing right from wrong precedes what we call honesty and the truth. That is a much higher concept for kids. And that doesn't really settle in until early school age. Uh, so that's yeah. when they truly understand what truth and falsehood are. This is in regards to like being honest, but also that I think, in my opinion, coincides with figuring out those social nuances of tact and when it's better to say something and, and to not say something when that's still honest. Yeah. That's interesting because my five-year-old just recently has gotten into like, what's the difference between like the truth and a lie? Mm-hmm. And he's been like trying to like figure out like when someone is lying and when someone's telling the truth and yeah. I'm like, where is this coming from? And then he brought a homework paper where they had to like figure out like what was not a lie, but what was true, what was false. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, you didn't know this before, did you? Oh, okay. Whereas my three-year-old's like, all I know is truth. Yes. That's all I know. It's either good or bad. It's black and white. It's very black and white. There's no gray area and it is not nuanced. Yes. And I do see my son being five and a half, similar to your son's kind of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And that nuance also of kind of social graces. We were down in Florida visiting my dad this past week and my son got a gift of a book that we already have at home. Uh Uh-oh. Don't let the pigeon drive the bus. Oh, I love that book. It's such a good book. And this is an example of modeling. And trust me, I am no model. (laughs) (laughs) I am in no way Victoria's Secret or not. (laughs) Or not. Yes, I have, you know, times where I'm not a great model, you know, person modeling the perfect behavior. However, he seems to have picked up a little bit of when we try to be gracious about something like that, getting a book you already have, that kind of thing. And he said, I wasn't even in the room when he got it, but I heard him say, oh, great. I have this book at home, but this will be great to keep here with you, Papa. Okay, come through, young man. He really came through. And it's that social grace, that nuance that is just coming in. He also called me a meanie for my phone dropping on his foot. So, like, (laughs) he's getting it. And he's going to have times when he doesn't. And, you know, honesty and tact is a long game. It's a long game. Listen, how many 40-plus-year-olds do you know that still don't have no tact? So many. So many. Yes. So many. So even now, it's a struggle. It's a long game and it is a choice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at this point, y'all just chose that. (laughs) But it is true. Um, From that Vice article, I read um, Lindsay Malloy, Florida International University psychology professor. Get it, Lindsay. Go, girl. Yes. Is part of the reason toddlers are so honest is that their cognitive and social skills are not yet complex enough to handle lies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They say, if you think about it, it's easier to tell the truth. It's what you know. It's what you... That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. If you lie, you have to think up a falsehood. (laughs) This entails thinking about what you and the audience know. Wow. I'm like, oh my God, my brain exploded just thinking about that. Oh, wow. Yeah. She says there are also cues such as facial expressions, which Mm -hmm. my son does not care about and doesn't get. (laughs) If I stare at him hard in a social situation for him being weird, he doesn't care. (laughs) She says lying takes a lot of cognitive effort that toddlers' brains are simply not developed enough to handle successfully. It is not yet a mastered skill. They're dum-dums. Yeah, they just, their brains haven't developed there. So I guess the kind of upshot of that is be gentle, be understanding, and try not to take it personally when your toddler says your breath stinks in the morning. Oh, I think that was me. I think that was my toddler. 
Or when you don't mean to be naked in front of your... No, not even don't mean. When you are barged in upon whilst having your me time just by taking a two-minute shower. How dare you? And your three-year-old comes in and starts awkwardly staring at you and asks, who scratched up your tummy? (gasps) You did. And that's the thing, too. They did it to us, and yet somehow they're churning it back and pointing the finger to us. Excuse you. How dare you? And your tiny little undeveloped brain. Get out of here. Hey, we'll be right back. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory, where we are talking about those ruthless babies of ours. And we were talking about how they can be especially ruthless about our appearance. (laughs) So as I said in the beginning of section one, this whole episode is inspired by this thread on the What Fresh Hell podcast Facebook page and about how toddlers can be so ruthless. And one thing that came up again and again, and I so identify, is how ruthless they are about our appearance. So Claire was one listener who chimed in who said, my two-year-old told me, you look tired. Oh, you... When I was dressed up with makeup on. Oh, come on, kid. (laughs) She says, first time all dolled up, feeling good, and he had to take me down a peg right before I left. (laughs) (laughs) My toddler told me that the other day my hair looked like a porcupine. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Today she said, I love you, but you're really bossy today, and I'm tired of you bossing me around. That is so funny. We get that sometimes. I get that a little bit with my son where he'll say something to me and it's almost ultimatum like he'll be like, either you do this or I'll do this. Like, (laughs) if you don't give me another cookie, I'm not getting in the car to go to the playground or whatever. And I'm like, you know, that's only hurts you, right? (laughs) Or something. And he'll be like, but you say that to me all the time. And I'm like, he's right. Because I try to set up like positive 
like getting a reward for doing something as opposed to like get in the car or you can't watch TV this weekend. Right. right. <laughs> Cause that only hurts me. It only hurts me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm punishing myself here, boo. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? <laughs> so I try to keep it with a positive, if this, then that as in positive ways. And he, so I guess he did kind of steal it from me, but I kind of wanted to be like, no, <laughs> and I'm just parenting. <laughs> Don't use it against me. Yes. I am bossing you around. I am giving you choices. Oh my gosh. Can't do anything right. Oh. And then Crystal, another listener, says, My then two year old told me her booty was small enough to fall in the toilet, but not mommy's. Oh. <laughs> mommy's got a big booty. When I said big, like I was shocked, she gave synonyms like I didn't understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. <laughs> oh, you don't know what big means? Let me break it down for you. <laughs> So she goes on to say, her kid goes on to say, huge, humongous, giant. Okay. And she says, got it, kid. Alicia, another listener, responded to that on the thread and said, sounds like she has a gift. Godspeed. Godspeed. Seriously. Godspeed. Tutu. Tutu. Beep, beep. Bye-bye. I love it when your kid talks to you as if you don't understand. That's the greatest thing. I I love it. Or they shout like you didn't hear them. My little one does that. I'll be like, excuse me? And she's like, I said! And I'm like, whoa, little mama. That is... Cool them jets. Cool them jets. But they also think, like, do you remember when you were a kid and your parents were just your parents, Mm. but you saw them as so old because relative to you, I suppose they were. Oh, Oh, yeah. And now I look back and I'm like, or even at pictures of my parents where I was like, they were so young and I thought they were so old. I thought they were like I know. minutes from retirement. <laughs> and they were like 35. I know. I was, Just imagine, like, remember, like, when you're younger and you heard, like, 30. Ugh, ugh, what? Hope I make it that far. Good Lord. That's a long ways from now. Yeah. Or even, like, how old my grandparents were when I was a kid. I mean. It's wild. It is wild. It is very, very wild. So a listener named Katie says, my mom gave my four-year-old a long bath. She commented on how his fingers and toes were getting wrinkly, and he replied, just like your face, meme. Oh, come on, kid. Don't you go in for the parents, too. Our parents. But honest observation. It's honest. It is what it is. So the other day, this reminds me of, I woke up, and I had a hard night of sleep. Oh, because that's every night. And I woke up, and my eyes were like kind of droopy, and I went into the bathroom to do my normal routine in the first thing in the morning before I go downstairs. And my son came in to say hi or whatever, and he said, oh, he called him Flappy. He said, Mama, your eyelids are very flappy today. <laughs> first of all, how dare you? Secondly, you're not wrong. Okay. That's the tough part. Honest, Honest observation. observation. Never make it again. Or you won't make it to 30. (laughs) Keep it to yourself. Elizabeth, listener, says on the thread, my two-year-old son called me a pile of stink trash. (laughs) (laughs) Touche, baby. Touche. The best thing is, is I'm crying. This whole thread made me cry. If you haven't gone on the Wet Fresh Hell page, there are so many good discussions, but this is one of the funniest ones. And Elizabeth says it was in front of her mother-in-law, and they both agreed that that was the most brutal takedown we'd ever heard. And I've been cursed in several languages. (laughs) A pile of stink trash. stink trash. I mean, I don't know if that's honesty or just truly saying how you feel in that moment. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, that made me laugh so hard. 
But I've also smelt myself sometimes, and I get this. <laughs> I understand this pile of stink trash. I get that. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> My son, when he was probably three, he loved, like in the mornings, he used to get up really early and then come and get into bed with us. And he, he doesn't do that anymore. And I think here's why. Uh, <laughs> he, does. he actually does. He's just too big now. He's too big. But he used to do that. And then he would say at one point, he'd like snuggle up and it was so sweet. And I was like, just live in the dream. You know what I mean? Just live in the, live dream. In the dream. My sweet little three-year-old comes in and crawls in with me. And then he looks me in the eyes. It's so sweet. The sweetest three-year-old eyes ever. And says, mama, you have coffee breath. <laughs> It is six o'clock in the morning and it's just morning breath. And I remember just, and for some reason it's that feeling raw thing. Yeah. And I really like, for some reason, I didn't yell or anything, but I was incredibly hurt. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I also didn't want him to stop doing this thing that made us both feel so good, which was just morning snuggles, you know? And then I thought I was, I must be doing something wrong. Because morning snuggles are a thing and my friends talk about, oh, and I love it when my daughter crawls into bed with me and we snuggle and sleep for another hour or whatever. And after that happened, I was like, oh, maybe I'm the only one who has morning breath. (laughs) What? And then I thought to myself, how is that possible? I floss and brush every night. I don't know what else to do. And then I'm like, I don't know. It just makes you doubt everything about yourself. (laughs) They will do that. Because you're already in a place where you're like feeling self-conscious. About all the things that are going on in your life and your body and all that other stuff. And it just hit home for some reason. And also another time in the summer, I think I maybe had stinky pits or something. <laughs> I can't remember. And he let me know in no uncertain terms. So he's like, oh, mama, you what is that smell? <laughs> I was like, probably my armpits because it's July 30th. Back off, kid. <laughs> Back off, kid. And then in a day or two after that, I think, again, he saw because he's pretty sensitive to these things. Even as a three-year-old, he saw that I was a little hurt by that. And then one time I had like a natural deodorant paste kind of thing in a little tin next to my, I can't even remember why it was on my bedside table. And he looked at it and he said, Mama, what is that? I said, deodorant. He goes, oh, that's a great place for it because it means you can put it on right when you wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Again, trying to be helpful. But just. Adorable (laughs) three-year-old. But the wrong word choice. (laughs) I was like, oh, my gosh. So I just try to be gentle, try to be gentle as much as I can and try not to take it personally. And sometimes I did take it personally because I'm human. You're a human. And then it's also that thing, too. Like, I feel like sometimes I'm safe in front of my kids. So there are like, you know, yeah, I'll get in their face with stinky breath or, you know, I'll get naked in front of them. You know, and I feel like I'm safe. It's a safe space. Yes. Until they flip the script on you and it's like. Okay. All right. Just cross that. I know. Yeah. Do you start to think to yourself, are you also people I need to feel self-conscious in front of? Because that list is very long. (laughs) So, so very long. (laughs) And I don't enjoy being in comfort of my loneliness with this judgment upon myself. So cool. 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 I'll just whatever. Okay. Cool. Yes. Ah, well, you know, listen, here's a good thing. We're not alone, Blair, because... You know, most kids can be ruthless about our post-baby bodies (laughs) or our adult bodies or all the things that are going on in our lives and our bodies. Rachel, a listener, says, mine said, Mama, when I'm big like you, will my belly be big like that? And Rachel says, yes, kid, yes. If you have three kids, yes. You could work out every day and have muscles everywhere, but you're going to have that round belly, too. (laughs) So true. You're welcome. You're welcome. Also, Rachel, good job working out every day because uh, I don't know how you do it. Uh, Woo! Woo! And she's got three kids. Hey, Rachel, I aspire to Rachel someday. One day I'm going to Rachel. One day I'm going to Rach. 
And Autumn says, another listener says, my four and two year old sat on me on the couch today while pushing on my belly and chanting, squishy mud, squishy mud. (gasps) (laughs) And Autumn says, I just let it happen while silently remembering the four babies I've birthed. Come on. Yeah. Listen, we mothers, birthing mothers are champions. (laughs) All mothers are champions. But when we get that harsh, unintended judgment upon our squishy bellies. It is a wonder that we don't go to Newark Airport and get a one-way ticket to somewhere sunny and never return. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough. And and I've only recently been able to kind of say to my son, and I think he does get it. He loves squeezing my belly, my big belly and stuff. And he did what he said to me once. He said something like, you have a squishy belly. Dada has a squishy belly too, but yours is squishier. Something like that. Or softer. <laughs> and he didn't mean in like a, you use Nivea every day kind of soft. <laughs> and I said to him, cause I'm trying to model body positivity as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And I'm very proud of that belly cause it raised such a great kid. It grew such a great kid inside. Aren't I so lucky to have this belly? And I think he's like, I think he said no. If I remember correctly. If that's what gets you through, mom, yeah, cool. (laughs) He's like, okay, good luck, dear mom. When we get back, we're going to talk about what do parents with honest kids do for their kids? So we love the brutal honesty of toddlerhood. It doesn't last forever. Most of the articles that I looked at said really by school age, early school age, kids start to you know, their brains start to develop to the point where they do start to kind of have the ability to appreciate nuance and honesty and that kind of thing. So after the break, we will talk about what we can do to set our kids up for success, even starting now when they're brutally honest toddlers, <laughs> to make sure that as they move into those that era of consciousness of their own feelings and other people's, what they can do to, to stay honest. We'll be right back. Stick around. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, to Toddler Purgatory. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. <laughs> Reading the thread from What Fresh Hell, and there's also a monster Reddit thread on it as well, if anybody's interested to make yourself feel better, that it's not just your kids who are brutally honest. It's, you. it's not just It's you. most people's kids. I very rarely meet a self-aware two-year-old. <laughs> you know, or like, <laughs> can you imagine like that two-year-old? You're like, dang. I bet there are kids, though. Sometimes Blair and I are both actors, and I've been lucky enough to work with some incredible child actors who have played my kids or other kids in the commercial or show, whatnot that I'm doing. And some of those kids, I can see them as being aware at the age of two, because they're, Mm -hmm. you know, some kids, you know, just are like that. They get it. Yeah, they get it. Remember that kid, Jonathan Lipnicki from uh, (laughs) Jerry Maguire? Uh, Yeah. I mean, do you remember he came around, he said the human head weighs eight pounds or whatever it was. Or that kid, um, Haley Joel Osmond, was it Sixth Sense? The Sixth Sense, boy, is he good. He got it. Woo! He's still acting now as an adult. Yeah, that's another great example of it. Just gets it. They just get it. And I guess those kids who are like sort of preternaturally mature, maybe as two-year-olds, they were like, I'm conscious of your feelings. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, we're talking now about how... We all just kind of have to tough through this toddler time when we get that brutal honesty, no filter. No tact. (sighs) No tact. It's all good. We're going to try not to take it personally, which I think I'm moderately successful at. During my weaker moments, I kind of take it to heart, but try not to get too mad at your kids about it. So, Has your kid ever made you cry from what they say? Probably. Yeah. Maybe not in front of them. I don't mind crying in front of them. I want my kid to see that. But I don't think I've ever... I think I'm more like get insulted. Yeah. And I try not to be too hurt by that. You know what I mean? As opposed to like it truly hurting me in an intentional way. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I think during my low moments when I feel like not great about myself, mm-hmm. if that coincides with something like this, I may kind of... Yes. Maybe part of why I cry later in private <laughs> or before I go to bed that night or... <laughs> in the shower. Oh, in the shower. Oh, yeah. Just a falling down cry in the shower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. End of the first segment of that Lifetime movie. Yeah. But don't worry, because there's it's a Lifetime movie. <laughs> so it's going to get better. And there's going to be four sequels. Yes, four sequels. Christmas <laughs> shower. <laughs> I don't know why I put the word shower in the title, but... <laughs> Christmas at the crying shower. <sighs> yeah, so here are some things that parents who have honest kids do for their kids. Oh, these are things we can start to think about now. So this is not going to come as a surprise. They are honest themselves. They model honesty in day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Sometimes that can be hard because sometimes uh, zhuzhing the truth can make things a little easier on somebody else or on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. But this may not be the time to be doing that because we're showing our kids how being honest is essentially the way to go. Mm -hmm. So all these little things here and there, just do your best, even, you know, Showing up somewhere late to an event rather than saying, oh, the traffic was bad. Right. Just be honest. Say, oh, we left later than we wanted to. Sorry about that. Right. You know, those little things. 
Which actually leads to the second thing on the list, which is these parents with honest kids admit when they're wrong, mm-hmm. which is kind of connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Telling the truth, confessing it, apologizing for it and making amends is really important. Yeah, it is. I think that that should be number one. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes with it comes off a lot as like protection, right? Yeah. And especially when I'm in public, sometimes my kids, not so much my five-year-old anymore because he's getting much better, but the three-year-old, my God. But it's that protection thing. And I think that it is so important just to like admit when you're wrong. It hurts. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But just like we were talking about earlier, we were t- this like a side thing Molly and I were talking about earlier is that it's important that kids have to sit in, in awkward and uncomfortability. It's important. Because if we shield them from it, if we protect them from that, when they get to be big people, it's a whole nother ballgame. They're not going to be able to swim their way out of it? That's not a thing. Trudge? Get out of it? Get. I think the verb I'm looking for is get out of it. And the simple verb we're looking for is good old (laughs) G-E-T. Which reminds me of G and T, which is a genitonic. Yeah, they're not going to be able to rise. Yeah. You know, like I say to my son, it's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you get back up. Mm-hmm. And that's something we all have to be able to say, Woo, I really <laughs> made a poor choice and now I'm paying for it. Yeah. Maybe I won't make a poor choice next time. Yes. Maybe I won't say that. Or maybe I'll think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So another one from this fatherly article is parents with honest kids are authoritative not authoritarian. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I take that to mean you don't want to be so hardline. And a lot of parents, we can can be this way, right? Sometimes we're like, nope, that's it. I'm raising my hand right now. Yes, that's me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I can sometimes be like that for sure. But then if your kids can't think that they can't talk to you about the rule that they broke and be able to process it, they'd rather lie to you than to suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. Then... You're in trouble. You're in trouble. So fatherly says when kids break the rules, they should have some consequences for that behavior. Yes. Yep. But discussing and explaining those rules while also praising your kid for being honest. I love that. Yeah. Will help them continue to be honest with you in the future when the stakes could be raised. Exponentially. Yes. It is my fear in life. Yeah, Blair, we have expressed that this is important to us. It is so important. It's so scary for me. Mm Mm-hmm. It's what keeps me up at night sometimes, honestly. And when I hear like, or I read all these articles that I fall for, I fall for the clickbait. It's just like the things that kids will keep from their parents just because they just are afraid of what the consequences may be. And yeah. it's not that big of a deal. It's so tough to know when to keep the hard line. And, and it is good to think about like, okay, how can I keep the hard line, keep the consequences while also making sure that my kid knows that being honest is the number one thing I'm looking for. Right. It doesn't take away the consequences, but man, I feel like my parents did a pretty darn good job of that. And I just hope I can in the future too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. My parents are also not as emotional as I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing. I'm with you, Molly. I'm like so emotional. Mm. And sometimes my lectures and processing behavior and communicating back to them comes out in very emotional ways. Sure. Whereas like my husband is very like, you know, it's like a PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) I love a good visual. You and me both. I'm like, I wish I could do that. (laughs) Well, that's good. You guys are the yin and the yang then. That's a good thing. Yeah, it'll work out. 
Yeah. One of the things we can do to encourage honesty in our kids is when we're reading books to them or watching a movie or watching a TV show where somebody acts in a lying or duplicitous manner of some kind, we can pause it or pause reading the book ah. and talk about what's happening and why it's wrong. You're not going to do that. And this is the only reason why. Because as soon as I pause them, the kids are going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> And I'll be like, I just wanted to point something out to you. Why is this bad that they are? They not telling the truth? Well, clearly you're watching the story like I am. Just turn it back on so we can see the outcome. Damn, mom. That's a good point. I think I could pause while reading a book. I think I could do that because we're reading. I think I've told you the diary of wimpy kid books right now. My son loves them. Yeah. And he the main character who I guess is a protagonist. Sometimes an antagonist, but named Greg Heffley, who is incredibly appealing and a fairly normal 10 or, you know, year old boy or however old he is. He also is like a bit of a stinker. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why like kids love it so much because he does things that they do, you know, like he's not perfect. He's not a perfect kid, which is hilarious. And I do find myself occasionally being like, oh, Greg, that was not a very <laughs> oh, nice thing to Greg. say, was it? <laughs> <laughs> we talk about him all the time as if he's a person. And that is absolutely the truth. Like. <laughs> He's not just a character in the book. He's a character in my life. Yes. But that's good, though, that that like I think it's easier to do it when you're reading and you can have that like that stream of consciousness like is automatic. Yeah, that's true. And during a movie would be tough. Also, I don't want to pause a movie because then if I pause it, he might wander away and then I don't get to watch any more movie. Exactly. And then it's also like my me time. Then I have to like yes. stop scrolling. I have to stop. Do- you know, I-, I got stuff to do. Oh, yeah. I have so many things to do while he's watching that movie. I got the New York Times recipes to look at. OK, come on. Let's finish this movie up. <laughs> That's so true. It is so true. And then the last thing we'll talk about in a way to bring your kids up to be as honest as possible, because they also sometimes lie. <laughs> just remember that honesty takes time. We talked about this earlier. Mm. It just does. Just recognize that it, little tiny brains haven't developed there yet, and they will, and that your conversations with them about honesty are going to change a lot mm. from when they're at the beginning of school age to when they're, say, teenagers, which I can't even imagine right now. <sighs> I scared. <laughs> <laughs> because as the fatherly article says, While young kids can really only understand the difference between right and wrong, teens are able to understand complex behaviors and abstract concepts, and toddlers only know that mom and dad said to have one cookie and they took two. Like, that's saying they're like real, real simple, basic, borderline. Yes. And it says, in other words, the lessons that parents encounter with their toddler on honesty shouldn't be the same as the ones they deal with for their teenager. Mm. I mean, that makes sense. That's so true. Because life gets so much more complicated later on. Oh, so much more. Yeah. And you're able to, as they get older, have those honest conversations about why it's honesty is a valuable social tool. And when withholding information is important to maintain relationships. Ooh, that's tricky. Mm-hmm. Okay, add it to the list. Add it to the list. Add it to the list. <sighs> so the upshot is enjoy those brutally honest moments. <laughs> As much as you can, unless you're in a soft place, which I sometimes am, and I take it personally, but I do think I can look back now at those comments he made when he was two and a half, three years old, and like, I can add him to the funny lists. Yeah, a lot of it's so funny. A lot of it's so funny. First of all, how dare you? And second of all, pretty funny. Yeah. And also, we can talk to them about it later when they're adults, and they're just going to be like, oh, what a child I was. (laughs) That was funny. It's a pretty funny kid. Oh, it's pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah. So just cut him some slack. Enjoy it. Write them down. Write them down. More than anything. Yes, for sure. 
Yes, which I really need to do because it is going to be funny someday. <laughs> and then when we are having those really hard conversations, just to be able to kind of like glance back on the conversations that we used to have. Yeah, and how simple it was. Life was simple then. Mm-hmm. Yes. Life was simple. And, but we now is the time to build the building blocks of our relationship with our kids mm-hmm. to promote honesty in the future. So be sure to start now with good modeling and talking to them about, you know, honest behavior and its value and that kind of thing. I mean, not every moment has to be a teachable moment, but, you know, when you can get it in there, it might be at the right time, could be really beneficial for them in the future. For sure. It's all about self-confidence too. I like that. Sometimes I like that my daughter is a complete jerk to me because I'm like, you know what, girl? You stand up for yourself. And also, you're you're right. There's a beauty in that. There is a beauty to it. I am not like that. As a woman in this world, I I can admit. I mean, as I get older, I'm better at it. But to see her just kind of walk in her truth and be really unapologetic about it sometimes, it's really kind of a beautiful thing. And I'm like, okay, girl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It is true. I feel like as I get older too, like you really do start to realize that you don't have to hang out with people you don't like. You don't. And you can be honest. And if it hurts somebody's feelings, guess what? It's not your problem. Yeah. And also we have the ability to nuance it. Yeah. You know, and in whatever level of honesty works for you in that situation, because you have to be true to yourself. But yeah, we also, you know, if I don't want to go to the playground, I have to go. What we're dealing with now with my son is that he doesn't want to go to preschool because he gets to go to kindergarten next year and he thinks he should already be there. (laughs) And he, every morning is a struggle. It's, I don't want to go to preschool. It's boring. I don't want to be with these dummies. Yeah. And then, of course, he gets there and he has the time of his life for six hours. I don't know what he's talking about. In the moment. They're always in the moment. Yes, exactly. Thank you, everybody, for sharing your moment with us. We had fun. Thank you. Hey, if you happen... To be on Spotify or Apple, listening to this podcast, rate us, throw us a comment or two. We love it. We love to read them. Yeah, we love hearing from you. And we love doing this podcast every week. We'll see you next time. Take it easy. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. 
On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 